Okie dokie, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Prairie Dumpster Podcast with your host, me, Tyler Penner, here on this beautiful autumn day. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining me again. We had a terrific, terrific response from the first video episode ever. Uh, we had 40 u- uh, views on YouTube, which is a record for this podcast. I jumped up by three subscribers. Nope, four. Four subscribers. Um, uh, we had one like. We had one like on the video. Some one, one person liked it. One person commented on it and said, great episode. Now, to the average podcaster this means nothing these are awful 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 numbers for prairie dumpster by prairie dumpster standards by tyler penner standards uh, this is incredible we are breaking records setting new heights no more long gone are the days of 14 views and 12 dislikes now A new chapter begins. And don't get me wrong, the new chapter is going to have just as many racial slurs as the old chapter. That's not going anywhere. But um, but it's a new chapter. Some things are going to be different. Not everything. Um, I'm not sure I like this lighting. We have to work on the lighting here because it still looks like I have half a mustache. I don't have half a mustache. I've got an entire mustache, but uh, it's just the weird way that you're looking at it. I went to the barber and I said, hey, give me the um, give me the area pedophile. And he said, hetero or homo? And I said, you decide. <laughs> and he went with the homo. And uh, hey, I like it. I gotta tell you, I'm liking not having the beard. The beard looks okay, and everyone's like, dude, you should have a beard. Every time I shave it off, everyone's like, what the fuck? <gasps> what, what is that? And I'm like, that's my face. That's what I look like. Everyone's like, the fuck? Can you not? Are you growing another beard? Please do. And I'm like, okay, well, can I at least, you know... At least let me uh, a little, you know, have a little bit of freedom to uh, see my own goddamn face. But mm, people, the verdict is in. People don't like this face. People don't want to see my chin. They hate it. And anytime I cut off the beard, everyone's like, bro, um, listen, we've been friends for a long time. And, uh, you know, I got your back. I got your back. At the same time, though, I feel that if you don't, at least start growing another beard. Um, that I don't know, man. Like I'm not gonna have. I'm gonna be busy. I'm not gonna have a lot of free time in my schedule for someone with a fucked up chin like that. You understand that? And that's another thing. I'm not giving you rides fucking anywhere because I don't want anyone to see me driving with this chin in the passenger seat. That's not happening. I'm not doing that. Because what am I supposed to say? The cops pull me over, right? And I've got a bunch of weed and MDMA and cocaine and I'm drunk and I just hit a couple of kids on the road and now they're pulling me over. That chin is going to rat me out. 
I would have got away with it, but they saw your chin, and now they're tasing us and shooting us. That's on you. So I can't have that around. I'm trying to get rid of toxic energy in my life. You know, I'm trying to get rid of people who are toxic, and I don't think you're toxic, but that chin is toxic. Toxic as fuck. So you need to either grow a beard or start wearing scarves or, you know, wait for winter and ride that neck warmer until spring until you have a new beard because that's fucked. I don't like that. That face, fuck that face. That face sucks. You suck. You're a bad person because of that face, and I don't like it. Grow another beard. I'm 37 now. I'm 37 years old. So now I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Take it or leave it. Most people leaving it. Most people are leaving it. They were hoping I would make that offer. They're like, take it or leave it? Okay, great. I'm going to, I'll see you. Thanks. Have a good one. I'm not taking that at all. So most people leaving it, and that's fine. Um, I'm joking. It, realistically, most people that I've seen that don't know me that well or have only known me since I've had the beard, um, which is a decent amount of people. You meet a lot of people in comedy, and then you get to know them over a year or two. I've had that beard for almost two years. So now when I did this, people are like, oh, uh, wow, you got you shaved. Oh, oh, look at that. Wow. It, that mu- it must feel good. It must feel good. And I'm like, yeah, it feels good. It feels good like the end of a knife. <laughs> Anyways, um, what are we at here? Is that the podcast? No, no, we still have a bit to go. What is in the news? World War Three. World War Three still in the news. Israel not invading Gaza. By the way, Allahu Akbar and Shalom. To all my listeners, like I said, I am like Switzerland in World War II era Switzerland in this fight. Meaning I'm not going to help anyone um, and I'm going to just wait it out to see who wins and then I'll be on their side. And in the meantime, I'm going to be just trying to make uh, money off of as much people as possible. I've already got a website. It's called gogazago.com. And then I've got uh, another website. It's called uh, uh, JewsUberAlice.com. Um, uh, so, and they're both just donation sites making a shit ton of money. It's incredible. People want to support the cause. And uh, if you don't have a cause, if your cause is money, dude, there's money to be made here. And I am cashing in. So check those websites out. GoGazaGo.com and uh, JewsUberAlice.com. Dot, uh, the, I said com. It's actually dot uh, geocities.tk. That's fine. Uh, just Google it. You'll find it. Um, but yeah, that war is going strong. It's going good. <laughs> it's not going good. They're just bombing the shit out of each other. Bombed a hospital the other day. 500 people dead. It was a hospital. People are like, oh my God, everyone's hurt from the bombs. Let's go to the hospital where they can heal our wounds from the bombs. And then someone dropped a bomb on that. And everyone's like, oh, God, now where do we go to get bomb healed? 
Now where can we go? I mean, once once the hospital gets bombed, where do you go to sew up your bomb wounds? You know what I mean? It's like I had a bomb wound, and then I went to the hospital, and then they didn't even fix me up. All I got was another bomb wound. It's got to suck for them. And you notice no one is taking responsibility for that one. No one is proud of the hospital bombing. Everyone harped on Israel immediately, which, fair enough, because they're the ones bombing Gaza. And everyone's like, uh, Hamas is like, isn't that fucked up? Isn't it fucked up how they bombed the hospital? And then Israel's like, yeah, it is fucked up, except we didn't bomb it. You did. And that is fucked up. You're right about that. It's fucked up to bomb a hospital. And then Hamas was like, yeah, I agree. It's super fucked up to bomb a hospital. Why'd you do that? And Israel's like, I didn't bomb the hospital. I think you did. Why did you do that? Why would anyone bomb a hospital? I don't know, Israel. Good question. Why would anyone bomb a hospital? I don't know, Hamas. That's a great, great question. I guess we're both in agreement. It's fucked up to bomb a hospital. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's really messed up when you bomb a hospital, eh, Israel? Yeah, it is, Hamas. It's really messed up to bomb a hospital. And meanwhile, there's just kids all over the ground just holding their severed arms and legs. And they're like, okay, well, somebody bombed it. (laughs) Okay? I don't know who it was, but can we... I don't even care who did it at this point. Can I just get... Can I get a doctor here? Because you just bombed 40 of them. They're dead now. Those doctors need doctors. Can we get some more doctors in here, please? Because there's a bunch of people who had bomb wounds who have fresh bomb wounds. And Hamas is like, well, I'm not doing it. Israel should do it. I mean, it's fucked up. They bombed a hospital. Yeah, except we didn't bomb it, Hamas. We didn't do that. And I agree, though. It is fucked up. It's super fucked up to bomb a hospital like you did. So, I don't know. It's just an overall bummer, that uh, thing. And truth be told... I know that there's a real rich history uh, with Jerusalem and with that land. And I know that, uh, you know, the uh, it's the first Israel state. It's very important to the state of Israel that the, the Jewish people have their own pop, you know, their own country and their own area, their own their own sovereign thing. And at the same time, the pal- people of Palestine, uh, they were living there, too. And um, they're like, well, what? We don't get it anymore? You just come in, you push us aside, now you, now it's yours? And Israel's like, yeah, sort of, blah, 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 blah. What's lost in this whole thing is that uh, I think for the most part, it's uh, it's a, just a desert shithole, isn't it? I mean, we're not talking about the Swiss Alps here. We're not talking about the great Canadian North, all right? This isn't, uh, we're not talking about, you know, the, the, the rainforest in British Columbia. This is not Sequoia National Forest we're fighting over. They managed to plant some trees and some vineyards and stuff. But for the most part, it's a bunch of sand, and it's very hot. So I'm not... I mean, one of you... I mean, I get that there's a holy city there, but I mean, come on, like, just go somewhere else. There's better places out there. They should... The people of Gaza should do a... um, 
They should go to the United Nations and be like, all right, you want to give that to Israel? Fine. Can you move us somewhere else? Can we get can we get an upgrade? Like what if you give them part of uh let's take a look at the map here. Where can we where can we ship these Palestinian people? I guess they want to be in the area. They got all their friends there. They wanna be in the neighborhood. All their buddies are there. And I mean that's a it's a rough place for the Jews to settle right there. I don't know. That's crazy. Um, you'd think they want to be closer to the West, you know what I mean? Closer to uh, friends. They were like, the Jews were like, fuck that. I don't give a fuck. Jerusalem is ours. Bold, bold stance. I don't know. Why don't you give them... You should give them part of China. Just give it to them or give them North Korea. Go in there, invading North Korea. Hey, sorry, people. The good ones, you go south. The, the other ones, we don't care where you go, but you, your country blows North Korea. You suck. Like, your country is a real drag on the world. I mean, you're just bumming everybody out. And, you know, for some reason, China's got your back. For why, I don't know. But uh, you, you're fucking up. You you fucked up. So we're going to bring some Palestinians in there. We're going to see what they can do with it. That's what I would do. And that's what I will do once I am eventually the um, leader of the um, free world. Once I consolidate my power here in Canada... And I raised to the ranks, and I've said this on the podcast a million times before, uh, mass executions, they start immediately. Okay, But eventually, after those executions die down, and I finally have a, a core group of people that I can trust, which, just based on the uh, preliminary numbers, should be at maybe 7% of you. Um, after that, then we can start talking geopolitics like we can decide first and foremost what to do about mongolia mongolia is just a i mean what are they doing you're just wasting everybody's time mongolia you know what i mean thanks for the barbecue thanks for mongos from <laughs> bowl full of noodles holy shit it's so good you have to try it they take the noodles and then they take the meat and then they fry it together and they put it in a bowl. I'm like, wow. Only $22 for this? That's great. No, you don't get it, though. Okay, because you get to choose the noodles. Is it a thin noodle? Is it a thick noodle? Is it a medium noodle? And then you get to pick the meat. Is it pork? Is it beef? Is it chicken? Could be turkey. Could be soy. I'm like, wow, neat. No, no, you still don't get it. It's it's great Mongolian barbecue, okay? And then, and then you get to pick the sauce. I'm like, I don't this. Okay, great. You know, you know where else I can do that? Safeway. I can do all of that. I don't know. That's me ragging on Mongolian cuisine, which I'm almost confident that they don't even have in actual Mongolia. 
I'm pretty sure they're nomadic herders. I think they are nomadic herders in Mongolia. The capital of Mongolia is Ulaanbaatar. Ulaanbaatar. I like it. Mongolia is one of those uh, beautiful countries, um, beautiful landscape, and everyone's dirt poor. Everyone's just broke. It's just got beautiful, scenic landscapes. And we see it on the movies, and we're like, oh, my God, we should go to Mongolia. Look how pretty it is. And then you get there, and you realize there is no money. No one's doing anything in Mongolia. And that's why I say, aren't they just wasting everybody's time? I mean, China is slanging toasters and blenders left and right. Mongolia isn't giving people a goddamn thing except overpriced stir-fry. Okay? It's enough with the Mongolia. So once I'm in power, we'll get rid of Mongolia. And we will give Mongolia to Russia? No. China? No. You know, fuck it. it. Hey, there you go, Palestine. You have Mongolia now. Mongolians won't even give a shit. They're nomadic anyways. So they'll be like, all right, peace. They'll just ride on out of there. You know, they'll take their yaks with them. But that'll be it. Um, or, yeah, once I'm in power too, another thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to start consolidating the stands. Namely the ands. All of them. It's just going to be, the country's going to be called an. Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Iran. It's just going to be the An Empire. All right? Because, I mean, you guys are all pretty much the same thing. Pretty much. And you're An. Ans. You're, you're a group of Ans. And if you can't come up with an original name for your country, then you don't get to be a country. It's just fucking, I'm sorry, but you're the An Empire now. And, uh, yeah. And I don't think anyone will have a problem with that. Maybe the Uzbekistans, who, by the way, uh, there is a guerrilla force. If you've listened to the podcast before, you know what's going into the Uzbekistan. They are waging a guerrilla war campaign in my name. Because they're big fans of the podcast, but they're completely unaware that this is a comedy podcast. They think that when I'm consolidating my power, that I'm actually going to do it, which I will. But uh, the Pakistan or the Uzbekistanis, um, they I I appreciate the support. They love the podcast, but they kind of jumped the gun with the whole mass killings. I feel like they don't like me or my podcast. Um, so much as they just really enjoy digging mass graves and filling them up. Which, you know, who doesn't? But at the same time, uh, you need to stop waving flags that have my face on them because I, I don't, I don't support it. But at the same time, uh, I'm not politically in a position I'm never going to gain power if they know that I've already got a paramilitary force out there committing mass executions. You understand? It's just too much. So, anyways, I've told Uzbekistani uh, people time and time again to chill out. I told them to, hey, get your forces out of the embassy. Let the children go. Um, but they don't, they're, they think that's a joke. 
Every time I tell them to chill out, they think they're like, ha ha, now he's joking. Anyways, dark humor in Uzbekistan. Oh, boy. I have no idea if this is even recording. Hopefully it's not. Uh, next in line for uh, for when I seize power, for when I seize power of the country, of the world. Not of the world, but, you know, of the country for sure, and then I'll be a political player. Uh, we need to get rid of, uh, not get rid of, but streamline some of these African countries. First of all, there's way too many. Second of all, most of them... Uh, are mired in war and poverty, which is a bad look for the world. So we're just going to... But at the same time, uh, you know, there's a few good ones. Kenya Kenya's an African classic. That's never going anywhere. You know, Kenya's not going anywhere. Kenya's great. Tanzania, beautiful country. You know what I mean? Great African country. You think of Africa, you think of Tanzania... And you think of Kenya. You know what I mean? Botswana. You know? Zimbabwe. Mozambique. You know, these are... Um, these are the African countries that are just, you know, really, really carrying the uh, uh, public relations image of Africa, really. But then, uh, you know, you go to some of these... You know, some of these other countries, you know? It's like... Sudan and South Sudan. I mean, has, has and Chad. You know what I mean? Really, the top half of Africa. Yeah, I would say that. Well, not the top half. The top third of Africa, the desert part. I don't know what to tell you. All right, we should just. And I'm not saying that we need to actually do anything. You want to live there? Cool. Sick. Yeah, have fun. But. Um, you're not a part of Earth anymore. Chad and Sudan, like, Chad, what are you doing? What are you bringing to the table? All right, Canada brought maple syrup. We brought the nickel. Oh, no, maybe we didn't bring the nickel. But we put beavers on nickels, um, and we got... I said maple. I said beavers on nickels. And hockey, and hockey, and hockey. We did hockey. You know what I mean? And Tim Hortons. No, not Tim Hortons. Not Tim Hortons. Not Tim Hortons. We're not doing Tim Hortons. There's something that Canada should be ashamed of. Speaking of which, I went to Robin's Donuts the other day. If you think Tim Hortons is still good, man, Robin's is pretty good. Robin's slowly catching up. They took a hit. Um, it took a real hit in, uh, you know, the great coffee wars of the mid nineties when Tim Hortons, uh, was just starting out and Robin's Donuts was a powerhouse. I don't know. A lot of people don't know this late eighties, early nineties, Robin's Donuts was the go-to coffee shop place. Then Tim Hortons moved in and was just really good. And they just took over. They took over. And Robin's Donuts uh, slowly just started getting their fucking ass handed to them. Time after time after time and time again. Um, yeah, 
to the point where it wasn't even a fight anymore. Everyone's like, hey, dude, dude, chill out, man. And Tim's was like, fuck you, this is between me and him. And everyone's like, dude, chill, man. You're going to kill the guy, man. Chill out. He's like, fuck that. You think I give a fuck? Like that guy who's like, he gets in a fight and he wins the fight fairly. But then he goes too hard. He keeps punching him on the ground. And everyone's like, this guy's a bit of a psycho and a bit of a dick. Um, Robbins just got the shit kicked out of it. Tim Hortons, um, but then got too a bit too greedy. And they merged, I think, with Burger King. And they've turned into Canada's very own faceless fast food franchise. Just a fucking terrible place. Really. And not terrible, but maybe not... Uh, it's a part of our culture here in Canada. No, it's not. It's a company that makes overpriced, pretty shitty coffee. And if that, if I'm going to go to anyone who does that, it's going to be McDonald's. But anyways. Um, Robin's Donuts, I think, is slowly, slowly starting to catch up. They are. They're pretty good. I went to uh, Robin's Donuts multiple times the other day when I was in the hospital... That's right. Let's get a bit personal here. I was in the hospital. I've been experimenting lately with the um, hands-free prostate orgasm. And um, the thing is, I don't actually want to investigate it too much, but I was curious. Now, I didn't have any device um, with which to experiment. On, on with this um however i did have a guitar and um i don't play the guitar that often but i thought hey you know maybe i can you know um so long story short uh when the doctor pulled the guitar out and i went to robin's um i'm kidding i've got jaundice i've got jaundice and I've got a I've got a rock the size of a fucking golf ball jammed up my bile duct. And my mom, who is a nurse, has been helping me with this. She's been helping me 100% of the way. Helping me and not helping me. In one way, she's been helping me. She's been feeding me borscht and telling me everything what to do. On the second hand, on the other hand, she's been... Um, Letting me know time and time again, almost on a nightly basis, that every single symptom I have uh, lines up with the symptoms of pancreatic cancer. And that pancreatic cancer has a 92% mortality rate. So she's been a big help. I'm kidding. She's been a help, but she's ain't lying. I've got all the symptoms of pancreatic cancer. Uh, you know, uh, dark urine, uh, blue stool, uh, jaundice, uh, skin flakes, uh, uh, bones that feel like knives, um, an urge to eat dirt, and um, pleasure from eating dirt. These are all symptoms of pancreatic cancer that I have, you see. 
But they happen to also be the symptoms of uh, a biliary or biliary obstruction, which I definitely have, which they think I have. So I've got a rock in there because seven years ago when I had my gallbladder removed, the fucking quack who operated on me, um, I guess left some chunks in there. He just left them in. He's like, fuck this. I'm done. I'm done for the day. Oh, I'm going to get some coffee. Everyone's like, doctor, there's still... Sew them up. But doctor, there's a couple of stones there. It said coffee. So they just sewed me up. They were like, oh, fuck him. It's a couple of rocks in his body. No big deal. Half a gallbladder. He'll figure it out. Just go with it. All right? It's like improv. Yes, and. Just fucking ride the wave. Go with the flow, man. Zen. So... Yeah, the theory is is that they left some part of it. Now these stones are traveling through my pancreas, through the bile duct, to my liver, and out my eyeballs. Which really sucks for me. Because I can't eat. I can't eat like a bag of shit anymore. That's the thing about this. And I might just leave the stones in here because every time I eat like a piece of shit, uh, I feel bad. But every time I eat healthy and drink a lot of water, I feel fine. So this might just be the Lord and his way of being like, hey, fat ass. The gravy train's over. The literal gravy train that you've been fucking chugging from for the last two decades, that's done now. Okay? It's it's enough. It's enough with the junk food. It's enough with the stuffed crust. It's enough with the Parmesan bites. It's enough with the uh, uh, side orders of honey dill. It's enough with all your fat-ass uh, concoctions. All right? You're getting loaded. Uh, you're going to Subway. And then while you have the sub in your hand, you're walking to Little Pizza Heaven and getting two slices for the road back home, the road being the two blocks that you have to walk in order to get that sub in your fat ass. That's done now. All right? You're 37 years old. It's time to grow up a little bit. Make a goddamn stir fry. How about that? You ever hear of cauliflower? It's not bad. Okay? Oh, baby likes soda. Baby wants a ginger ale. Tough shit. Right? Here's a rock in your bile duct. Drink that soda. I fucking dare you. Oh, you like yogurt? Yeah, one cup of yogurt is fine. What's that? You had eight cups? Well, I'm sorry. Now you're in pain. That's what it is. And honestly, that's what it is. Every time I binge eat now, the next three days are me either walking around like a zombie with nausea and vomiting or me in really bad back pain, uh, abdominal pain. Which is fine because I got a healthy stash of T3s, all right? I'm riding that codeine train. And I got to tell you, these heroin addicts, they're on to something. Because God damn is that a wonderful feeling. When you're sitting there and you're kind of in pain and then that codeine hits and you get those brown sugar waves, <laughs> let me tell you, I get it. I get it. Hey, fentanyl addicts, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I'd fucking pawn my TV for that. I would steal from my mom and dad for that 
I would live in a tent on the river and, um, you know, I would do that in a hundred percent. I get it. But I guess last week I, um, I had a bad week last week with the jaundice. That was the most alarming part. My skin started turning yellow. My eyes started turning yellow. My urine started turning yellow, which is really weird because it's usually a shade of pink slash just straight red. And now it's yellow. I'm like, what the fuck? Um, so I thought, fuck it. I'm going to go to the hospital this week and get this checked out because I was a little worried about the pancreatic cancer. So I'm like, you know what? It's time to go figure out exactly what the fuck is going on here. So I went to the hospital, St. Boniface Hospital. The wait time said eight and a half hours. I said, hey, that's not bad. I'll get there. I'll get a coffee. I'll go there for 11. By 6, 7 in the morning, I'll be, you know, they'll have they'll put me through the meat grinder and they can take their fucking bandsaw and run me under it and then reach in and grab this diamond out of my heart, throw it in the trash, sew me up, and then I'm out course it didn't work like that did not work like that the thing is i wasn't in any pain like i said i was high so i was fine i went there i sat down i read a book and i was bouncing around we i, I got there it turns out the wait time wasn't eight and a half hours turns out it was 13 and a half hours 13 and a half fucking hours that's how long you have to wait so let's say you break a leg right your leg is broken and it's just dangling on the bone. And you're like, oh, God. Oh, fuck, it hurts, man. Oh, God, fuck, ow. It hurts. The nurses don't give a shit. I mean, they'll do what they can, but, I mean, it's like, well, I'm sorry. 13 and a half hours of that. Which, I mean, I wasn't in pain, but there was some real sad sacks in that emergency waiting room. And they were in there for the long haul. Old people who looked rough. Young people who looked rough. There was one girl. She had an infection on her foot. Her open wound was just pussing all over the ground. The nurse comes by and hands her boyfriend some serviettes, some napkins. And is like, there you go. It was crazy and i'm not blaming the nurses the nurses are fucked there they, they're god knows they've got their own shit going they've got their own problems they're they're swamped and you can only be swamped so much with human misery before you start to stop giving a shit after a while some guy comes in with his foot chopped off they're like yeah whatever who gives a fuck sit down i don't care shut up because they have to i mean no one nobody can maintain the compassion you need if you're working your 14th hour of a 16-hour shift. It's just not going to happen. Eventually, a guy like me is going to come and be like, my tummy hurts. And they're going to be like, okay, well, you're a fucking pussy. Fuck off. We don't... I don't give a shit. But they do a great job of, for the most part, at least feigning compassion and feigning worry. But I didn't mind. I was having a great time. I bounced from the Robin's Donuts. I went to Robin's, got a coffee, sat there. I read my book, my book being Cormac McCarthy's The Road. 
which I ended up reading cover to cover at the hospital. And let me tell you, that book, overrated. Overrated book. Pulitzer Prize winning book. Let's actually look up the road. Let's look up Cormac McCarthy, The Road. Because I want to see, I want to get exactly some of the... Um, Exactly some of the reviews, reception. Yeah, see, on Metacritic, it's got 90 out of 100. Critics deemed it heartbreaking, haunting, emotionally shattering. McCarthy transforms what could have been a ludicrous story into a tense psychological drama about a man living on the edge of sanity. It is remarkable for its acuity, empathy, and insight. Yeah. Oprah had it on her book club. Um, yeah, Pulitzer Prize for fiction. I don't know, man. I like Cormac McCarthy's style of writing. His style of writing is great. You know what I mean? He's just like, blah, 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 to the point, to the point, to the point. Let's go get on with it. There's not a ton of like... Um, exposition or description. You know what I mean? A lot of authors do that. They'll be like, Mary took her bowl of porridge and put it on the uh, white and yellow checkered uh, table cloth. The cloth was had a little speck of stain from it back when Mary was a blah, blah, blah. And the sunlight hit each thread of the cotton in a way that bounced off the light and gave an embryonic hue to the shut up shut up all right i don't give a fuck about all that get to the part where mary fights the ninjas all right we don't want to hear about the tablecloth i'm, I'm glad I'm, hey you can write good for you you're a great writer okay what's mary doing now is she done eating her porridge okay then let's go. Get along with it. All right? The ninjas are coming. Mary's got to go get her shotgun and get on the 50 cal. All right? Describe that. Let's go with the action here. All right? Fuck the tablecloth. The ninjas are coming. Um, so I like Cormac McCarthy. He doesn't really do that. It's a pretty easy read. He uses some big words. You Google them. You get the gist. Uh, but... The road kind of goes nowhere. It really does. And he's like talking with his boy. After a while, their style of dialogue gets annoying. It's just repeating shit. Because we're doing this? Yes, because we're doing that. Okay, okay. Do we have to get the light? Yes, we have to get the light. Why do we have to get the light? Because then it'll help us uh, see through the darkness. And that's what we want to do, right? See through the darkness? Yes, we want to see through the darkness. Okay, okay. That's a lot of what the dialogue is. And I'm like, nobody fucking talks like this. Maybe Cormac does. Maybe other people do. I don't. So I didn't like it. <laughs> Another thing. He's always talking. There's always so much preamble and so much like... Not preamble. Um, so much like... Um, tense 
tension <laughs> built up um, because of these like roaming gangs walking around, cannibalistic gangs, okay? Um, and you always think eventually they're going to have to face down these cannibals or eventually something's going to happen with the boy. Eventually they're going to, um, you know, come into a situation where they're going to have to fight these cannibals off. No, they don't. Like, they get away, but the cannibals never find them. There's never that moment where they're like, oh, fuck, we're caught now. Oh, fuck, they lost it. He shoots one in the head, like, right off the top. And I'm going to spoil the book. You, I'm sure you've all seen it. But they run into one guy um, who kidnaps the son or holds him hostage. Immediately, the, the, the man just shoots him in the head, gets his son, and then they go. And then they get away, like, scot-free. There's no chase. The guy's never even chased them at all. He's just gone. He got away. Hey, yeah, we did it. it was, and it's like, it's like a literally like a three-page incident. And then they're back just walking through the ash. Oh, the ash. The gray ash. Oh, the silence of the gray ash. That's one thing he does fucking over-describe a million fucking times was this gray ash. Oh, the gray, the dark gray. It was so cold. We're so, we get it. They're Cormac. They're fucking cold and they're shivering and it's gray and it's miserable. We get it. Now make something happen. They're just fucking walking, walking. So nothing ever happens with the cannibals. There's no action scene with them facing off with the cannibals. They run into this like little bunker and there's a bunch of naked people there that the cannibals are eating. And then they just get away. They just run out of there. They don't try to help the people or anything. They just book it. They take cover in the leaves or whatever. And then they're hiding there for like a day or two. And the cannibals never make an appearance. Like literally there's a chase where the cannibals are coming back to the house. And the man and the boy have to get out of the fucking house. And then they run into the, the thing. The, the cannibals don't even, they're not even looking for them anymore. I'm like, oh fuck, the cannibals are on their trail now. Oh, man, this is scary. No, it's not. Because the cannibals were never looking for them. <laughs> you know? Like, nothing happens. Nothing fucking happens. They find this old ship later on. And they're like, uh, you know, he finds this, uh, uh, this flare and this boat kit. Right? This entire floatable, inflatable raft with oars and everything. And I'm like, oh, fuck, dude. They're going to get in the boat and they're going to fucking sail down south. And they're going to find something there. They're going to do something over there. Because they never find anyone good. So now they're going to get on a boat. They're going to get off the road. And they're going to go down the sea. That doesn't happen either. The man, all of a sudden, for no reason, becomes a fucking complete dumbass, and he just gets the flare gun and the flare rounds. He goes back to the boy, and the boy's like, can we shoot it off? And he's like, yeah, sure. So this guy, who the entire fucking book has been paranoid as shit about making fires so that anyone can see them, like he, he some nights they almost froze to death because this guy was too scared to make a fire in case someone saw him. Now this guy all of a sudden does a 180, and he's like, yeah, let's shoot a fucking flare into the sky. And, it, and it, there's no, you know what I mean? And it doesn't, like, no one seems to bat an eye at this bullshit. 
And you might say, well, Tyler, the book's not about action. The book is actually about the boy, the man, and his struggle to help this boy and the boy he loves. Okay, fine. But truth be told, I mean, they never really talk about, like, you know, at the, like, here's, here's, for instance, this guy's like, we carry the fire. Because we carry the fire? Yes, we carry the fire. Okay, okay. This dad is trying to instill his boy some some values and some hope, right? And some whatever. And he always carries the hope. And he's always got some sense of morality and stuff like that. But he actually doesn't. He's trying to protect the boy, and the boy is the sense of the morality. But then later on, some guy, some poor starving guy comes, um, and the boy has to talk his dad into uh, helping this decrepit burnt old man by giving him food and the dad's all pissed off which is i don't know maybe that's not my problem but my problem is is later in the book when they're on the beach the fucking one guy steals all their shit because the 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 dad and the son went swimming or something and now this this the man is all pissed off so he tracks down this um this this criminal who stole from him and then the man is holding him at gunpoint and tells him to strip naked. And the son's like, Dad, let's not do this. And then he's like, strip! You almost killed us! Blah, 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 blah. And I get it. It's his frail sense. He's cracking. He's losing his mind. But then what pissed me off about that is that the boy never calls him on his shit. If this boy is supposed to be a moral arbiter, the boy's never never calls him out. And then two fucking pages later, they're back to square one. Okay, the, the, the man's like, are you not going to talk to me? And the boy's like, I am talking. He's like, you are talking? He's like, am I not talking? Yes, you are talking, but are you talking to me? Who else would I be talking to? Okay, okay. All fucking book like this. And then I think, hey, there's like 20 pages left, man. This thing better wrap up soon. What's the big payoff here? There better be a payoff. Because we've been walking through the silence and the ash, the gray, cold, dour, sour, glower, gray ash, silence in the ash. It was gray, cold, silence in the ash. We've been doing this for 200-some pages now, so there's got to be a big payoff, right? Eventually, the dad is going to have to commit some act of sacrifice, or eventually, uh, he's going to have to make a moral decision. There's one round in the gun left. There's been one round in the gun forever. Eventually, the dad's going to come into a situation where he's going to have to actually decide whether to kill the boy or not, or to kill himself and let the boy give the boy a chance, something like that. There's gonna be a fork in the road. No, no. The dad starts coughing and dies. Right? The dad, he's been coughing the whole book, fine, but now he just passes into a fever and he dies within two pages. Within two pages, he goes from setting up a tent and fucking, you know, getting all this equipment off a boat to now he's, you know, has scarlet fever, and now he's fucking in a, in a goddamn, 
now he's dead. And the boy's like, <laughs> the next morning he opens up the tent. There's another guy there. Guess what? In in the years that these guys have been walking through an apocalyptic wasteland with nobody around to, you know, everyone's either a cannibal or a freak and nobody's around to help these people. They haven't found one good guy yet, right? Now, as soon as his dad is a page later, he opens the door. Oh, look, there's there's a, a, a nice man who wants to help him and a family that he can spend. And now the boy goes off with the family. Yay. I didn't fucking buy it. I didn't buy that book, man. And I'm not buying Oprah. And I, and I don't hate the book just because Oprah likes it. I mean, God knows that is my style. Because fuck Oprah and fuck her book club. Okay? But, even if no one had recommended this to me, if people hadn't hyped up Cormac McCarthy like he's Jesus fucking Christ, or like he's Shakespeare, whatever, if he was just another novel, I would pick this up and be like, oh yeah, it's pretty good. Pulitzer Prize, maybe. I don't read that much. I can barely read. I'm not very smart. But I don't know. That book didn't do it for me. It, uh, <laughs> there was too much, like, you know? Find a gun and start shooting some cannibals. Um, I guess I'm a moron, all right? I like Passenger 57. I like Total Recall. But you got a roving band of cannibals in here. God damn it, you should off a few. You can still have your brave moral story, and, and and but put some shit in there that actually happens. I'm gonna watch the movie, and I'm gonna report back to you because if the mo- I can't fucking I can't believe they made a movie out of this. Viggo Mortensen, Lord of the Rings guy. Lord of the Rings had action. What are you gonna do? Ninety minutes of the ash, the gray ash, in the silence. Silence in the gray. There was ash. It was so cold. The boy looked at the dad. It's cold. Yes, it is cold. Is it not cold? It is cold. Are you cold? I just said I was cold. All right, I'm cold too. Okay, 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 okay. Ash. The silent ash. It was gray and cold. In between that brilliant Pulitzer Prize winning writing, you can put some action. You easily could have let this guy at one point in the fucking novel find a gun. All right? And you're thinking, well, that's not realistic. Or maybe it is, but like maybe he just didn't want to go there. Okay, well, he found the underground little container filled with canned goods and a stove and running water and fucking uh, a toilet in a hot bath, and he found all that shit, he didn't find a gun. Why the fuck wouldn't he find a gun? Why wouldn't he find a gun, man? No, because that would take away the choice. Okay, fine. It would take away the choice. He had one round left in the gun. It was either going to be for him or for his boy. So you wanna you, you don't want him to find a gun because you want him to make that choice. Well, guess what? He never even makes that fucking choice. You understand? It just went nowhere. Nothing happened. There was no payoff at the end. I guess people think it's like hip to to leave shit open in it and to be like, oh, you thought something was going to happen? Well, guess what? It didn't. Huh? 
pretty smart. I don't know. Not really. Pretty fucking boring. <laughs> you fucking suck. Anyways, that's that's my take on Cormac uh, McCarthy's um, The Road. I'm going to start reading No Country for Old Men. I saw the movie first, and the movie is dope. There's a movie with action. You know what I mean? You got a villain. You got a hero. You got the sheriff. You know? Money. The guy's a cool killer. That's what I'm fucking talking about. Blood Meridian. I mean, granted, that movie's got... That, that, that book, Cormac McCarthy, that's got almost too much action. I haven't finished it yet. But each chapter is just a different massacre, pretty much. Uh, without... I mean, you don't know where this character is going or what he's trying to do, so you don't really give a shit. But there's a lot of action in it. So I don't know. Maybe Cormac McCarthy's just trolling us all. But anyways, that's what I found out. This is this is what I was doing uh, when I was waiting in the hospital. I was just sitting around people who were just in agonizing pain. And I was sitting there like, God damn it! And everyone's like, yeah, I know, man. It's crazy, these wait times. And I'm like, no, man. It's just fucking ash and silence in this fucking book. They're just walking. We get it. You're fucking cold. No one fucking cares. Can this guy shoot some cannibals already? Shoot the goddamn cannibals. At least fucking meet one. I thought the cannibals were going to steal the boy. The guy was going to have to get the boy back. You know? And somehow he would do it. Somehow he would do it. I didn't think that the man would just die. <coughs> See ya. And then the boy's like, <coughs> and two seconds later, hey kid, you want a, a, a nice family? I don't know. Seems like Cormac McCarthy one day just got ready. He's like, oh fuck, I'm so bored of this book. And then he finds a family and a boy at the end. And everyone's like, oh my god. I don't know why Oprah was so into it. I don't know. Oprah was probably just so stoked about reading about gray ash and a nuclear wasteland that she uh, went to Maui and decided to uh, turn that into a gray ash wasteland. That's why she, that's why she, um, you know, bought all those properties in Maui. You know what I mean? She's just a big fan of the road. She wanted to see what a desolate wasteland looks like. It has nothing to do with her kicking out the locals so she can fucking jack up the property values down there. Um, but anyways, long story short, I didn't even, at the hospital, I didn't even see the doctor. I didn't even get to see the goddamn doctor. Because I fucked up. I fucked up. They fucked up too. We both fucked up and then we both blamed each other. Hamas, Israel style. Big time. Me and this nurse had a real bruja. A real Donnybrook. Because it's a fucking 15 hour wait. It was like a, literally a 13 and a half hour wait. So I was like, okay, I got time. I'm going to go to McDick's. Get a fucking coffee and an Egg McMuffin BLT. And I'm going to put this down. Because if they're going to cut me open and get rocks out of my I might as well dump as much bullshit on top of this piece of granite in my body who gives a shit 
Two tears in a bucket. So I was like, okay, fuck it. Uh, so I went to McDonald's. I chilled there for a bit, and I was reading the road, and I was getting into it because I was so stoked. I was so incredibly anticipating when they're going to face the cannibals. I couldn't put the book down. But I guess uh, during this point, at some point, uh, they had a change of shift at the hospital in the emergency waiting room. And a new nurse was in there. And she was like, we need to clear up some of these patients. So she came in there and she took a quick count. And I wasn't there. And then another aide came around and was searching names. And I guess I had gone for a cigarette because I was darting pretty heavy now too. I don't want to just sit there around other sick other people, other sick people. And just be lounging around there. I guess that's what they expect. Like my friend said, like, you know, fucking Olive Garden has a little buzzer system for your goddamn breadsticks. These people don't have a buzzer system for a 13-hour wait for bodily injuries. Are you fucking kidding me? You have my number on file. Why don't you give me a text and be like, hey, you okay? Are you here? And I'll be like, yeah, I'm here. I'm just at McDick's. I'm just getting uh, two breakfast burritos, two hash browns, a sausage McMuffin, a sausage and egg McMuffin, a bacon BLT, and uh, chicken McGriddles. And they're like, okay. I'm like, why? Do you, is it, am I, yeah, the doctor's ready to see you now. Okay. Um, quick question. Uh, are we allowed to bring food in there? She's like, no, not that much. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, um, okay. Uh, give me five minutes and I'll get rid of some of this. Like, just text me. I don't understand it. But anyways, I guess at some point she just took me off the list. And I asked her when she took me off the list. She took me off the list at 830 8.30 in the morning. And I found out that she took me out uh, off the list at 8.30 in the morning at 2.30 in the afternoon. So I was waiting there for six hours for nothing. They had no intention. I was not on anyone's radar at that point. After 8.30, they didn't know that I existed. Which is funny because I'd already taken blood at this point. But after 8.30, as far as they were concerned, they were like, this guy's either dead in a dumpster or he's still at McDonald's or he went home and he's um, sleeping or taking a shit. He's not here. Yet I was sitting in the waiting room waiting there for six hours. So the guy comes around with his clipboard. He's like, what's your name? I'm like, Penner. He's like, I don't have you on my list. Let me go check. He comes back. 45 minutes later, because everything at the hospital takes uh, three hours to do. And then he comes back and he's like, yeah, I'm sorry. You're going to uh, you're gonna have to be re-triaged. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, they, they assumed you left. And then me and the nurse went at it. I walked in there and I was like, listen, bitch. And she's like, no, no, you listen, bitch. Fuck you. And I'm like, fuck you. And she was like, fuck you. And I'm like, no, bitch. Fuck you. And she was like, hey, asshole, listen, fuck you. And I was like, no, no, bitch, I don't think you hear so good. Hey, bitch, fuck you. 
And she was like, ah, sorry, you're right. I didn't hear that. I guess I'm hard of hearing. Or maybe I was just listening to my own thoughts. Thoughts that said something like, fuck you. And I was like, hey, bitch, fuck you. Um, it was actually a very civil argument. We both accused each other of lying. She accused me of leaving the hospital and then coming back at a later time. So in order to avoid the waiting part. And I accused her of making up how many times she had checked up on me, which she did. She was like, I asked for you at 8, at 9, at 10, 11. And I'm like, lady, you just said you took me off the list at 8.30. So you're not asking me for 9, 10, 11. I stepped out for 20 minutes to get a coffee and to read the road. Okay? That's 20 minutes. 25 maybe. Maybe half an hour. Let's be generous. Maybe I was gone for half an hour. Okay? Half an hour out of the 13 hours that I've been waiting. That doesn't seem unreasonable to me, you fucking dork. Anyways. So I said, you know what? I'm very disappointed in you. And I looked right at the nurse. <laughs> and without skipping, and I said that. I've never said that before to anyone. I've never said I've been disappointed in anyone. I looked at her and I was like, I'm very disappointed in you. And without missing a beat, she clapped back and she was like, I'm disappointed in you. So none of us, uh, neither of us were mad. We were just disappointed. We just expected better from the other person. Ugh. But then I walked home and I thought, you know what? Fuck the hospital. I'm going to go the Christian science route. What is Christian science? Let's look that up. I'm going the holistic route from now on. I don't know. Who needs these fucking quacks? I'm not waiting I will say this before, and I'll say it again. The, the healthcare system in Winnipeg, I don't know if it's broken, but it needs work. Because, and this, this nurse um, that I was arguing with, she fucked up. But I fucked up too. And I, and I told her, I was like, listen, I get it. You're getting fucking swamped out here, okay? You're getting swamped. You're looking to get rid of patients. I wasn't here for a brief time. You hopped on the opportunity to cut my name off the goddamn list. I get it. I would have done the same thing. The thing is, you fucked up because I'm here. I'm here, goddammit. And I want you to take this fucking bullet out of my gall. You know? Got shit. My, my pancreas, <laughs> pancreas, is clogged with shit. I want you to clean it out. And I was like, "So you're telling me I gotta wait here? Uh, I'm at the bottom of the list. I gotta wait another thirteen point seven five hours." And she was like, "Yeah." And I was like, "I got a better idea. How about I go to Tim Hortons and I get a fucking maple dip, and then I go home and I eat it." And then I die. She was like, cool. I was like, damn, you guys are hard as fuck here. So I looked at her and I was like, yeah, well, here's another idea, bitch. Fuck you. And she was like, no, no, hey, pussy. Fuck you. And I was like, no, no, hey, hey, I guess you don't hear so good. There's a lot of noise in the hospital and shit. Let me repeat it for you, bitch. Fuck you. 
She was like, no, no, I heard that just fine. I actually have great hearing. I was lying before, but it seems that you're a little blind or you can't hear. Because guess what I said, pussy? Fuck you. And I was like, fuck you. She said, fuck you. Uh, Christian science is a set of beliefs and practices which are associated with members of the Church of Christ scientist. Oh, that's weird. It says it's Church of Christ, comma, scientist. They gave Christ a title. Hello, my name is Christ, scientist. Um, you know, what do they believe? What do you believe? Now, fuck this. I'm not reading all this shit. Let's go to chatbot. Hey, chatbot. Yeah. What do uh, Christian... I'm typing with one hand here. Give me a fucking break. What do Christian scientists believe? Mary Eddie Baker, 19th century, healing through prayer. One of the most distinctive aspects of Christian science is their reliance on prayer for healing. They believe that sickness and disease can be healed through prayer rather than through conventional medical treatment. They base this belief on the idea that understanding and deepening one's relationship with God can lead to physical healing. Well, I don't know. I think my mom believes in this. And I don't want to say, well, I'll tell you what doesn't heal people's wounds is waiting. Waiting doesn't heal anything. All right. Cormac McCarthy's The Road never healed anything. I don't want to say too much because what if prayer does work? What if it does work? What if all these people dying from incurable diseases, God's like, hey, man, just pray. You'll be fine. And they're like, no, I need the chemo and the radiation therapy. And they're like, God's just up there and he's just like, oh, fucking idiots. Just talk to me and I'll fix it. scientists regard the Bible. See, I was brought up a Christian. So, to the average atheist, this shit sounds completely retarded. To me, um, you know, there's still a part of me from early childhood. The seeds have been planted that I'm like, it might be true. You don't know. That's just where I'm coming from. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. It's funny, I can shit on Cormac McCarthy's The Road, which is almost universally praised, a Pulitzer Prize-winning novel. I have no problem being like, nah, this book's a piece of shit. But then when it comes to Christian science, I'm like, I don't want to say anything. Because what if it's right? What if it's true? What if it works? I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be switching it on this one. Fucking idiot. Um... There are individuals known as practitioners who devote themselves to praying for the healing of others. Well, I think we can all agree prayer doesn't hurt. Prayer is not going to make wounds worse. That everyone 
has to agree with. Praying to God for someone's wounds, that's never going to make the wounds worse. Or maybe it does. Maybe some of your prayers, maybe God, maybe some of your prayers are pissing God off. Or you're just praying too much and God's like, hey, hey, shut the fuck up already. All right? You know, I'd fuck this guy. And the guy's like at home, he's like, oh, why? Lord, please, please. Yeah, I heard you the first 10 fucking times. You know, I say it once. I know. I know. Okay? Lord, I ask you again. Dude, shut the fuck. You know what? Fuck this guy. This guy just shit himself. <laughs> Lord, why? <sighs> Who knows? All I know is that uh, I'm going to try to do... I'm going to wait until I'm in debilitating pain to go to the hospital. That's one thing I learned. You don't go to the emergency room for basic shit. Or for even dangerous shit. Unless it's life-threatening. Don't go to the hospital. I'm going to fight this uh, piece of Mars bar that's stuck in my pancreas. I'm going to just try to flush it out with water or flush it out with broccoli. I am done waiting for months now. That's not going to happen again. Um, Yeah, I'm going to try to dump as much water on this shit. And maybe I'll be fine as long as I don't act like a piece of shit like I have in the past. All right? No more Wendy's classic triples. Oh, God, that sounds good. No more. No more. We're not doing that anymore. No more Mary Brown's three-piece combo with taters and a coleslaw and a Big Mary on the side. God damn it. That is good. No more double deluxe fat boy with bacon and cheese from Daily Burger. No more. None of that. No more going to A&W and picking up a grandpa burger with cheese with two Chipotle chicken snack wraps on the side. That's done. No more going to Subway and getting a 12-inch kicking chicken on Italian Tex-Mex with tomato Lettuce, onions, crispy onions, black olives, chipotle, a little bit of mayo, salt, pepper, all dressed chips, Diet Pepsi. That's done. We're not doing that. Not doing that. And we're going to Domino's and ordering a medium pizza, sausage, cheddar on one side, pepperoni, banana peppers on the other side. Two ranch dippers, 16-piece Parmesan bite, two liter of Coke Zero. It's over. No more going to Burger King. Touching your crotch. We're not doing that. That's pretty much the podcast. That is the podcast for today. I have no idea what I said or what I did. And I don't give a fuck. No one's holding a goddamn gun to your head. No one's forcing you to watch this. And the funny thing is, is that if you are 99.9999999999998% of the population, uh, you're not watching this. 
But to the 40, pers- 40 people, to the 40 people of you that are watching this, that sounded weird. Thank you for tuning in. And you can stop watching at any time. I don't give a fuck. I do, though. Thank you. The patrons are getting shafted. I'll tell you that right now. The patrons are getting absolutely shafted. But you understand, I have health problems. I'm working them out. So it was very hard for me last week. And last week when it was rough, the whole week was rough. Today I'm feeling good. I should have done this podcast on Wednesday. I didn't have the strength. You understand? I was in the hospital reading a shitty book and arguing with a nurse. Telling her, hey, bitch, fuck you. And she was like, hey, pussy, fuck you. That's what I was doing. I didn't have time to do a Patreon episode. But I will this week. I might do this tomorrow. I'll just shoot this shit. All right. Shout out to... uh, Shout out to... Stir fry. Stir fry is great. I've been sleeping on stir fry for too long. You know, usually my go-to easy meal was just a Safeway deli bar. But after last week's episode, if you watched it, I had a bad meatball. A catastrophic meatball. That fucking meatball. I don't want to get into it, but it was rough. Um, my go-to easy meal now is stir fry. It's a bunch of frozen veggies. Fry up some meat. And then you get this VH fucking Szechuan sauce. I'm like, why haven't I not been doing this? And then I'm doing the calorie math. I'm like, this is fucking half healthy. (laughs) I can't believe it. It's delicious and it's great. And you can eat a lot of it and not feel like a tub of shit and not have, uh, you know, this Ferrero Shea uh, sized rock inside of your pancreas start acting up. You know what I mean? This I now I'm all about pleasing the rock now. This rock is now my new god. It's like uh what do you go? Uh, total recall. Quato? Quato? Quid. Quid, start the reactor, quid. That's what this is. Except this guy's like, hey, no more meatballs. And I'm like, yeah, shut the fuck I know. Shout out to what have I been listening to lately? Oh, shout out to a band called Putrid Stew. Great gore grind out of Ohio, Dayton, Ohio. Ohio has got a lot of grind bands out of it. A lot of grind bands coming out of Ohio. I mean, I say a lot. I don't fucking know. But they had the legendary um, Pizza High Five back in the day, which was a legendary grind band. Um... Short-lived, but goddamn, they had a good times. But this putrid stew is like gore. It's not even gore grind, really. I mean, it's kind of gore grind, but it's mostly gore slam. And it's just disgusting. In fact, let's listen to it. Let's listen to a bit of, uh, just a bit, just a bit. Expand your horizons. And the beauty part about uh, this type of music is that there's no fucking way they'll copyright strike me. I don't think they can. I mean, maybe they can, but. That's just the audio of the track, by the way. I don't know if you heard that.
Great stuff. And if you think the audio was bad on that track, you're like, oh, God, that sounded like shit. It does sound like that, but you should listen to it with some good headphones because it is bass heavy, and it's good for slamming. So shout out to Putrid Stew. And also shout out to Peeling Flesh. Putrid Stew did a split with Peeling Flesh, and uh, I'm not big into the gore slam, but uh, both of those bands, I don't know. I was just listening to them, and I'm like, this is really good. This is, I guess, listening to... This is what my pancreas sounds like now. That's the literally the noise that my pancreas is making. So, you know, I'm just like, yeah, that's, this sounds... I'll take it. I like it. And last but not least, shout out to a bunch of people. Shout out to my patrons who are getting shafted right now. Not one person, I don't think, has left, has stopped subscribing to me, which is insane. I'm going to make it up to you. I'm going to make it up to you. Either through content that I'm going to load up on there, good quality content that no one else gets, or maybe just with sexual favors. I don't know. You guys decide. Take a vote. So thank you to the patrons for hanging in there through my battle with um, pancreatic cancer with uh, the inability to find the hands-free prostate orgasm, and with um, uh, reading Cormac McCarthy's The Road. And if I can endure, you can endure. But special shout-out to uh, Rumors Manager Tyler Schultz, who is one of the good guys, as Cormac McCarthy would say. We're the good guys. Yes, we're the good guys. We are? Yes, we are. Okay. 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 <sighs> fuck off. Fuck you. No, fuck you. Shout out to, um... Yeah, Rumors Manager Tyler Schultz, who went down to the hospital where I was. To bring me uh, a little care package, a couple of magazines, and an Amazon gift card for my birthday. Ha! Huh. What a guy. And then he goes there. He he asked the nurse where I am, and the nurse is like, yeah, that fucking pussy. We discharged his fucking pussy ass. And hey, if you're going to see him, give him a message for me. Fuck you. And he was like, okay. He finds out I'm discharged. Instead of just going home, he comes to my place and brings the care package right here. What a guy. What a guy. So, big shout-out to Tyler Schultz for doing that. Shout-out to all my boys on the thread sending their thoughts and prayers. You never know. Disprove that prayer works. Disprove it. Huh? Huh? <laughs> Fuck you. Um, and, of course, shout-out to my mom, who does believe in the power of prayer. And is praying absolutely nonstop because she loves her boy. And I told her about my experience at the St. Boniface Hospital. And she was livid. She was livid. And she used to work there. My mom is a bachelor of nursing. I've said that on the podcast before. The first person in our family, either side 
of my backwoods Paraguayan jungle hick family to pursue an education past fucking grade two. My mom graduated from university, became a nurse, worked at St. Boniface Hospital, and then now is livid. Is livid. Why is she livid? Is she right to be livid? Well, that's up for debate. Who's right? Me for reading the road at McDonald's and not being in the waiting room where I should have been? Or the nurse who didn't see me for half an hour and scratched me off the list? My mom thinks I'm right. Not because I am right, but because I am her boy. And she loves her goddamn boy. And she was on her way down there. And she was like, I'll give this fucking bitch a piece of my mind. And I'm like, Mom, where'd you get that shotgun from? She's like, don't worry about it, pussy. And I'm like, holy fuck. But and then I talked her out of it. And uh, she cooled down. And she is just... She's like, I just gotta calm down. My boy is sick. And I'm, it's, it's scaring me. But I'll be okay. And he'll be okay. And we will. We're all gonna be okay. We're all gonna be okay. We're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Everyone's going to be okay, man. Oh, that crow's sitting on the power lines. You think more birds... When birds sit on power lines, how are they not getting zapped all the time? I don't get that. Prayer. That's how. Um, You guys are great. Thanks for tuning in. And... um, Special thanks again to the patrons. I will fucking make that worth your while at some point this week, starting this week. That's a promise. And you know me. I'm a man who breaks promises left and fucking right. But I promise you that I will not break this promise. And again, that promise means nothing. This is promiseception now. I'm breaking promises left and right. I am not a man of my word. I give my word out. I hand my word out like fucking soda crackers I don't give a fuck but you'll see you'll see I'll deliver I promise um anyways that's the podcast we've gone way too long I love you I love you all get that through your fucking heads it doesn't matter if I'm alive or dead I love you and I love the nurse that yelled at me I love that argument That wasn't an argument where I left feeling steamed clams. That was an argument where I was like, hey, that was a good exchange. Like if someone would have caught that on YouTube, if someone would have caught that on, like put that on TikTok, or if if that was like a reality show argument, uh, I feel like we both had pretty good showings in that argument. Expressed ourselves clearly and calmly um, with passion, but with a certain level of respect for our opponent. It was a good fight. It was not a bad fight. Other half of the mustache still there. Nice. All right. I got to go. I love you. And I'll see you in hell.